0: The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.
1: Hello, and you're welcome along to the Home Show podcast here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Coming up this week, if you've ever thought of keeping chickens in your back garden, you'll get fresh, warm eggs, but are they a noisy nuisance? Well, I'll be hearing from one woman who's transformed her back garden into hen heaven. Almost 7 in 10 people haven't claimed their rent tax credit despite being eligible. Marion Ryan from Taxback.com will be telling us why. If you're waking up fatigued and needing more sleep as the summer draws in, well, the bright mornings may have something to do with it. We've a sleep expert. And Home of the Year winner Jennifer Sheehan on some tips and hacks on how to pack for those summer breaks. If you'd like to get involved in the pod today, well, you can email us during the week at any time at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and I'm over on Instagram at Ryan 100 and I love hearing from listeners, so please do get in touch with me there. Now, have you booked a summer holiday yet? I have. I finally got around to it last week and I'm absolutely delighted. The weather has been mixed, to say the least. So many of us are looking forward to a bit of reliable sun this year, if we can manage it. And one of the things I hate doing is packing. I try to do it in plenty of time. I've usually great plans and end up stuffing things into a case at the last minute. Uh, So I'm looking forward to having the uber organised Jennifer Sheehan on a bit later to tell me where I'm going wrong and how to do it right. But when it comes to travel nightmares, what's the bit you hate the most? Is it the airport? I must say I'm always excited going to the airport. I don't care what I'm going there for. There's always a thrill. Is it the flying? Is it the middle of the night starts? Or do you love it all? Well, look, let me know. I'll be taking some recommendations for for your favourite holiday holiday Hot spots as well with pictures. So you can email us at show at newstalk.com or you can find me over on Instagram. Go on, tempt me, show me what I'm missing. Uh, and I am Sinead Ryan 100 over there and you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Now, if the idea of keeping laying hens is attractive uh, to you, but you're limited with space in the garden, is it as easy as setting up a wire fence and throwing down some feed? Well, I am joined now by Giovanna Feely, professional musician, educator at DCU and keeper of chickens to tell me all about it and what's involved. Giovanna, you're very welcome to The Home Show.
2: Thank you, Sinead. Thank you.
1: Now, tell me when you first decided... Uh, to get involved in this business and how many <laughs> how many hands you have.
2: <laughs> okay, so um gosh, it's hard to know when. I, I was brought up in, in Dublin's inner city, so we had a very small yard, I suppose, rather than a garden. But when it came and I was lucky enough to be able to to, you know, move into my own house, we kind of looked at this garden and, you know, I always thought it has to be that more than just shrubs and plants and, and patio. And I'm not good at gardening. So I, I kind of very early on, maybe 10 or 12 years ago, kind of started to think about chickens. But my husband was adamant, no way. He said there's too much work and don't particularly like them and they're going to be smelly. And there was every every excuse you could think of, which is fair enough. So that was that until lockdown. <laughs> and then like the rest of Ireland, we were in our house and looking at the house. And uh, weren't we told it wasn't the time to be dicking up the house? So we um, dickied up the garden and said, okay, let's go for it. Let's get these chickens. So we actually got them during the lockdown. And if you remember, Sinead, the weather was glorious during lockdown. Indeed, the first so, um, one, anyway, yes. Yes, yeah, well, so it made the whole experience quite idyllic. So we started off with two, um, and we brought the two hens home, and we had them exactly one hour. And on my husband said, God, I think there's room for another one. Let's get another one. <laughs> so <laughs> right, two, so he was The two he was became a quick, three and it snowballed, yeah. <laughs> he was a quick convert in the end. You got him
1: there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, so you have... And do you still have three or did you add to the flock?
2: Uh, well, so we added and subtracted and did all kinds of permutations. So at the moment we have, in terms of chickens, we have three chickens and four ducks.
1: Right, I see. Now, describe your your garden to me, Jovan, because do you have a lot of land? Do you have acreages? No,
2: (laughs) no, we don't. So we have, well, you know, I I know a lot of modern houses, the um, the gardens would be quite a bit smaller. So our house was built originally in the early 80s. So it has what you call the moderate size kind of town garden, you know. And so... We find plenty of space um, for for a few ducks and chickens. So we kind of went through different options with the housing. So we we got a plastic coop originally. Um, And, you know, Sinead, people will go for whatever kind of suits them and their lifestyle and and a number of different considerations. But um, for us, being able to clean it out easily was was a consideration. So Mm. we got a plastic coop and it had kind of a a run that the chickens could kind of go around in attached to it. And the whole setup was on wheels. So it was actually very nifty. So the idea was that you'd pop them down on your grass and within a couple of weeks when they start to munch down to that grass, you just wheel the whole thing to another area of grass. Um, and that worked really well <laughs> when there were three um, and when there wasn't anything else involved. But also once it got into the winter, you know, it's very easy to move around, but we kind of got tired of going out and kind of sludging around with, mm. with, with contraption. So we moved then to um, what's called a fixed run. So um, there's different versions of this, but we have one that's basically uh, wire panels, and um, it's not a solid, uh, permanent structure, so you don't need planning permission or anything. And we put this down one side of our garden, and that gives a nice big contained area that they can be in, and then we can let them out if we want to as well. So that's working really well for us at the moment.
1: Right now, when you say you got two to begin <laughs> with during lockdown, like from where do you get? Like, what did you have experience in this area? Did you do a YouTube tutorial, or did you just?
2: Go yeah, no, no, yeah, no experience at all. So literally, yeah, kind of a, a thrall through, um, through, through Google. So we looked at kind of companies in Ireland that would supply um, chickens, and there's a, there's a few companies that do. And then there's also breeders, and we've gotten to know some people who, you know, just people who have their own farm or their own breeding program, and they would breed chickens. But we went with a company um, originally. But just to say, Sinead, when we were looking into chickens, you know, we did want to do as much kind of research as possible. And there's a fantastic Facebook community. Um, of uh, people who have poultry and chickens and so on in Ireland as well as obviously in other countries but there's fantastic groups in Ireland and it's a great way to kind of ask questions and put up pictures of your chickens or put up pictures (laughs) sorry for saying this now of their poo and you're like oh my god this is normal and you know if you want to ask any questions people are so helpful and you know it is a hobby I suppose Um, really as well. So, you know, people get very enthusiastic and there's a lot of support and help out there.
1: People do that with their babies so I suppose why not a chicken? (laughs) So, you you said you don't need the the planning to build the coop but do you need a licence to house chickens or is there, does does anybody care?
2: Well, again this is, I I shouldn't say it's a grey area because it's not but a lot of people don't um, register their flock. They reckon they're just, you know, they're just Hobbyists. kind of, you know, pets that they have. Yeah, in mm-hmm. the garden. But um, there, there is a process where you register your flock. Um, the Department of Agriculture and really the point of that is when there is kind of an avian flu season mm. um, so when there is flu season you're meant to keep your birds undercover um, and not out where basically they'll transmit with wild birds and they'll increase the pool of, mm. of, um, of mm. virus so for virus reasons essentially you're, you're to register your flock and you get a flock number then
1: Okay so that sounds like a sensible proportion not yeah. at least because yeah. the Department of Agriculture knows where to find you if that is uh, exactly. if, if you need to be warned about all of that Um now I think obviously you're keeping them I presume for their egg laying qualities. But yes. do you find that they become? Can you be detached from them and and <laughs> kind of refer to them, or do they
2: become like? Do you name them, for instance? Mm, well, this is this is interesting because my husband was adamant they wouldn't be named. They would be there <laughs> as little egg laying machines, and that's it. <laughs> right. Um, and as I said, within an hour, he wanted more. And, you know, within that hour, we have three small kids. So the kids were all out. Oh, throw names out left, right and of course center. Of so, Yes. So all of ours have names. Our chickens are named after um, characters from musicals and films. Fantastic. So um, we, we've had Elsa and we've had Paddington and we've had uh, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz and all these. And our ducks are named after nature. So we have Snowdrop and Ivy and Holly and these kind of things. So they do have names. Um, I suppose, you know, it sounds weird to say you'd be attached to a duck or a chicken, but, you know, they do have their own little quirky personalities. It's actually amazing, you know. So um, at the moment we have, as I said, we have the the run where they can be locked in um, if we know we're not going to be home before dark or if we're away but generally they're, they're around the garden and we have movable fencing, Sinead, which is fantastic. So we can section off parts of the garden. So mm-hmm. we section off um, the patio because they do have a habit of uh, walking up to the patio and picking the sunniest spot, lying there all day and doing their business on it all Oh, day. I
1: see. Right, okay. So you then want to discourage
2: out. that. Yeah, okay. Then you're out with a hose every night and we said enough of that. So we have them fenced off, but we have one duck called uh, Snowdrop, who we call her Houdini as well. No matter what we do with that fence, she's able to find a way out. And she just waddles all around the garden herself and we have a water feature up in our patio (laughs) and she comes up and it's like her private spa treatment. Lovely, lovely. They're putting her bill, doing her thing and the rest are pacing up and down saying, how did she get out? (laughs) I want to get out there. Well, you
1: can't um, blame her now. She's a clever (laughs) clever duck. Now, Giovanna, a lot of people might be thinking that sounds absolutely idyllic and it's great for kids and it's wonderful. But... Uh, what kind of maintenance goes into like once you have the coop and you have the chickens and everything's in I mean there is a little bit of work that you have to do so what do you have to do every day or every week or at different times of the year?
2: Okay so you know Sinead I mean it's taken us a while to kind of get get a groove with this but like a lot of things I think it's just to have a routine that works so um, our routine is actually very simple and it works for us we literally have five minutes in the morning for one of the kids um, Stella, my little girl, is responsible for, for coming out to the chickens. So literally in the morning before school, we go out to the chickens um, and the ducks. We check for eggs, first of all, and she takes the eggs in her basket. Then we give them their food and water. We keep that um, locked in the shed. We give them their food and water and we throw in um, a handful of fresh bedding into the coop. And we walk back and that's it. Okay, so that's, that's fairly so straightforward it's then. Re- it's really, really straightforward. Now, every weekend we clean out the coops. Now, we have plastic coops. So actually, they're they're really really easy to clean but it still has to be done. So we clean out the coops at the weekend and we rake the run just to kind of break up uh, everything in it and let it decompose and you know at different times of the year, now it's something I probably need to do more research on myself but you know, there are things like poultry tonics and apple cider vinegar and things for the general health, which you should add in mm. maybe every three months or at different times of the year, pop into their water. So, you know, the weekend is the time where we do that bit of cleaning and we kind of have a look at them and we get to spend a little bit more time with them. And it's probably maybe half an hour at the weekend. Okay. But it's literally five minutes in the morning and it's five minutes in the so, evening. So it's that's really more. the
1: care you'd give a dog. Less, actually, because you yeah, have to take well, a dog for a walk. It.
2: Yeah, we've considered taking the chickens for a walk. We haven't done it yet,
1: <laughs> but
2: right. yeah. So, um, so it's not it's not too onerous at all. I think.
1: Okay, so you're getting your own eggs. I presume you get more than you need, or maybe you're on an eggy oh, diet do. now. Though. Well,
2: now you see, and this is it, Sinead, You know, we get um, the ducks are amazing, and this is partly why we got them. They they lay like crazy. So every morning we have four eggs, pretty much um, wow. without fail, and That's they a lay lot of omelets in the morning. It's a lot of omelettes and scrambled eggs and uh, baking Takes. and everything. <laughs> and um, so we find we, we, certainly in in the months where they're laying, we're giving eggs away left, right and centre, which is lovely, do you know? Um, so we have egg boxes and we, you know, we've written on the egg boxes, please bring the egg box back um, and we give eggs. But the downside of that is that in the winter, they don't lay as much. Now, if you want your chickens and ducks to lay all year round, a lot of people do actually put artificial light in the coop. So they'll actually okay. put lighting in. Oh, that's what so
1: prompts that's, them then, is it? it to kind yes, of, exactly. Oh, so it's, it's,
2: it's light stimulated, yeah. So, um, so, so so some people, quite a lot, I think, and particularly, obviously, people who are, you know, in, in it for business, they will light the coop so that they have the minimum amount of hours for daylight. But we, we decided not to do that. We kind of just couldn't figure it out, first of all. And secondly, we thought, no, sure, we'll, we'll manage as we are because you'll still get some eggs. Mm. So um, I'm afraid I'm a bit hard line on this, So. I refuse to buy eggs in the winter, so we could be right down. Um, you know, if they're not laying much, I'm like, nope. We'll make it last. Okay, we've got three eggs for the week, we'll do it. But at the height of it, we could have 30 eggs a week, which is okay. way too much So, so to, it's a feast or a famine.
1: Yeah. And I Absolutely. know there are gardeners out there who, who love growing herbs and a few veg, and yeah. then when they're not growing, they resent buying them in the supermarket yeah. for exactly yeah, the exactly. same reason. Okay, and they exactly. do that. Exactly. Now, uh, any negativity? Um, I'm thinking you might have neighbours who wouldn't be across this plan completely, but maybe you Bribe them with the eggs? Is that,
2: is that what I'm hearing? About? <laughs> well, kind of, yeah. We, I mean, our neighbours are great. We haven't got any complaints. Um, and actually, you know, they've said they like the sounds of the chickens. Now, just to say, we don't have a rooster and we wouldn't keep a rooster. Mm. Um, they don't lay. They can be aggressive um, that's worth looking into but also the noise we, the we're noise. in the middle of a town so we just wouldn't Indeed. do it you know Indeed. Um, so you know those kind of bok bok noises and chickens tend to make a little song sometimes when they lay an egg they're like look at me I laid an egg <laughs> I'm going to squawk a bit um, so that's the only sound you get I mean you mentioned dogs no more than a dog barking now and then yes. so um, so we've no complaints and we do give the eggs to the neighbours but we have had a few kind of near escapes so um, we have had we had one little chicken and she was very flighty and she hopped over our neighbour's wall. Okay. So we had to knock next door and say, and there's a strange looking bird in your garden. Let's <laughs> see our baby <laughs> Can chicken. Back. Can we come in and try and get her back, you know? Um, so little things like that happen occasionally, but they just add to the whole experience, especially for the kids. They think this is great, you know? Indeed. They have to go chasing their chicken, yeah.
1: Now, I have heard of a phenomenon uh, mm-hmm. and it strikes me that uh, inadvertently or not, you or your husband might get there. And it's this whole idea of chicken maths. Talk to mm-hmm. me about the dangers mm-hmm. of that.
2: Well, I read about this on the Facebook groups and I thought, what are people talking about? And, you know, this snowball effect where, you know, you start with two and then you end up with, you know, you hear horror stories. Well, to me, it's a horror story. People that start off with three chickens and end up with a flock of 400, you know, we wouldn't have space anyway. But, yeah, there is something addictive about it. And um, I suppose we still would know marginally more about chickens and ducks. And, you know, for chickens, you mentioned that we, we have them for eggs. But there's a lot of different um, colours of eggs which I never knew you can get chickens so to me chickens lay kind of a tan brown Mm. egg but you can get chickens that lay white eggs you can get chickens that lay blue eggs green eggs you can get chickens that lay dark chocolate brown coloured eggs so um yeah, it gets kind of addictive when you think, "Ooh, I think I'd like a blue egg layer or I think I'd like to have a brown <laughs> egg layer. So we actually had a blue egg layer for, layer for a while. We had her um, ourselves and um, our ducks lay white eggs and green eggs. Mm. And we do have a chocolate brown egg layer. So it's a type of chicken called a copper marin And she lays an egg that's kind of a dark chocolate brown and it's just, just amazing. We fight over it now. Right. But um, as I said to okay. someone recently, if you read the, the James Bond books by Ian Fleming, apparently the only egg that James Bond will eat is one from a copper marron.
1: Well, there you go. Right. Well, so if it's, good, good, enough, enough if James it's Bond. good enough for him and, and, and he's saving the world, it's, it's probably good go. enough for the rest of us. Well, Giovanna, thank you so much uh, for your enthusiasm and for bringing us all that, uh, that uh, information about keeping chickens at home. What is the Facebook group that people can look
2: into? There's a number, but backyard chickens. Ireland is very good, okay. and as also, and um, for us, we're in Leinster, poultry Leinster province. But there are various ones around. Fantastic.
1: Us. All right. Well, listen, onwards and upwards, and uh, maybe maybe you'll come back uh, when when you get more and and uh, tell us uh, tell us all about it. Listen, <laughs> Absolutely. Sinead. Thank you very much, uh, Giovanna Feely. There. <laughs> Now, well over half of all the tenants entitled to claim the new tax credit of €500 have not submitted a claim. Many are citing issues with their landlord or are put off by engaging with revenue. Well, to find out more and to see what's involved, I am delighted to be joined by Marian Ryan, Consumer Tax Manager with Taxback.com. Marian, you're very welcome to The Home Show. Thanks for having me, Sinead. Now, are you dealing with a lot of queries in this area? Are people engaged with the
3: rental tax credit? Um. Yes and no. So people are interested; they want to claim it, but we're finding that the the uptake and people actually getting to the point where they can get a refund is a lot lower than we had thought or anticipated. We have we can estimate there's around four hundred thousand people in Ireland that are eligible to claim the rent tax credit. When I say eligible, that they're they're renters; they're paying rent to a private mm-hmm. landlord there. But so far, less than half about hundred ninety thousand claims have gone into the the revenue in relation to it. And we kind of surveyed our people here and talking to our customers here. A lot of it is fear. So people are afraid to talk to their landlords to get the information they need. So I suppose, kind of to clarify, when you're claiming the rent tax credit for a private rental there, you need to have your RTB registration number. So a lot of tenants would need to contact their landlord to get their RTB registration number. And they're just simply fearful because, to with because they think
1: maybe the landlord isn't registered with the RTB,
3: yes. is that it? Yeah.
1: And they don't want to so kind of be, kick up
3: a can of worms. Exactly, yeah. So first, I suppose they're fearful that the landlord isn't registered with the RTB because I suppose when your landlord registers with the RTB, you get a notification of it and you get your RTB okay. registration number there. So there's that fear. And also as well, a lot of tenants have the fear of having any sort of a conversation with their landlord because they're afraid that they have a conversation with the landlord and say what's my RTV registration number the landlord goes yeah here's your number there and we had a look at it there and we have to increase your rent they're you there so we're finding that a lot and we're even finding people come up to us saying my landlord increased my rent there last September and now they're talking about increasing it again a second time which is I suppose they're not allowed they're not allowed to do that because if you're in a rent pressure zone you can't increase
1: the rent more often than once a year and you can't increase it by more than 2% how are they getting away
3: with that? Yeah I don't know Um, now this is just this was I, I don't know this for a fact, it's just a conversation I had actually yesterday with, with a tenant there that was looking to claim the credit and I suppose we had to point them towards the threshold there as well because like that, it's, it's not something they, they can do. So maybe it's kind of giving people as well the power and the confidence to be able to say, well, no, actually, you can't increase it mm. <laughs> there for me because you increased it last September there. So that's, I suppose, a big challenge for people oh, is getting the rtB registration number. And I suppose what we should say to people is that if you are fearful of talking to your landlord about this, you can try and find your RTB registration number yourself. You can kind of bypass them there. So if you go onto the RTB website, you can go in and search the register there for your air code that you're living in. And that will tell you whether that air code is registered or not. And then you can contact them and say, look, can I have my RTB registration number linked to me? And that means you don't have to have any conversation with the landlord but
1: but that's also predicating the fact that it is registered because presumably if the landlord has gone to the trouble of registering it complied with the law done what they've supposed to do then they've no problem passing on the information to you
3: absolutely so that's, that's I suppose an option there for those whose landlords have them registered but then I suppose there is a certain cohort as well that the landlord doesn't have them registered and they're hitting a complete wall because mm. one of the requirements for the rent tax credit to claim it if you're renting from a private landlord is the RTB registration yeah. number there. So. Okay, now how sympathetic are you finding revenue
1: to this? Because they, look, they must, okay, their job is to hand out credits and collect tax, but they must know that this is a very real scenario for lots of people. Are they prepared to give you
3: the, the credit that you're due, the tax credit, without this rigmarole? I suppose if we look at it, if we're going looking at it directly, at the tax consultation, I struggle with that word so much to act, that by the letter of the law, you have to have the RTB registration number. Now, what we're finding is that, yes, the revenue are sympathetic to it, that if some tenants put in their, their claim and they don't have the RTB registration number, it's getting approved. But like Murphy's law could kick in mm. at any stage. Yours couldn't be. So I suppose here in Taxback, because we're kind of, we're all We're always kind of emphasising compliance and putting in everything correct. We would all insist that people do, do have their properly. RTV registration yeah. number, yeah. But they are quite sympathetic. Like okay. we don't like to paint the, the revenue as a big bad wolf. There, they, they're, they're trying their best as yeah. well. Yeah. And, they, only, and they have to balance yeah. off the two the two sides of
1: that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, look, Marion. You, you know, people should apply for it. They should go down this road. But you can understand the reluctance of some people not not being able to do that
3: yeah and I suppose as well always apply look ask for it like there's that's one reason people are due a tax refund is their rent tax credit there could be a plethora of other reasons as well that they're due a refund as well so a lot of people as well don't even look for it don't even go down that road because Mm. they're afraid of ever looking into their taxes and there's about two out of three people that are PUI employees like myself in Ireland that don't ever look at their taxes and don't ever claim back their refunds so I suppose to don't be fearful of it and if you are afraid of talking to your landlord you're afraid of talking to the revenue going to them directly there that you're afraid there's going to be a problem along the way. Come to someone like ourselves and talk to us and we'll be able to guide you. We do you. all the all the as difficult as, conversations. we yeah, try best. As far
1: as <laughs> okay. Um now I there has been some talk and I'm kind of kind of coming around now to the homeowners section, there's been political talk, given the rising interest rates across Europe and in Ireland on mortgages and things like that, that possibly in the budget there will be a, the reintroduction of mortgage interest tax relief. Now we've ha- we had this for years and years and years and then they did away with it. If they were to bring it back again, is that something you'd favour and how would it work?
3: Oh absolutely, I suppose. It's one of those things that we lost there during the, the austerity years there. It was one of the first things to go there and it, it's quite I suppose it's a pity that it's gone and we definitely welcome it back there because I suppose if you're a first-time buyer it was really a nice thing there to get your mortgage interest relief for the the number of years there and as well I suppose for mm. for landlords and stuff like that I suppose they do get a relief in relation to their mortgage interest that they pay at the moment so if they're looking to increase that of course that's always welcome there but even for homeowners as well it would be really welcomed. Right. OK, well, we will wait
1: with bated breath uh, to log to October and see if that is reintroduced in in some way. OK, Marion Reint, Consumer Tax Manager with Taxback. Thanks a million for joining us on The Home Show. Thank you, Sinead. Now, the summer evenings are getting longer and the mornings are coming much earlier as summer fills our homes with light. But if you're like me and you've been experiencing sleep issues, it could have something to do with the fact uh, that that light is seeping in uh, to your blinds or curtains. And joining me now to chat about some of the most common factors that lead to feeling exhausted in the morning is sleep consultant Tom Coleman. Tom, you're very welcome along to The Home Show.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Now, um, so I suppose the first question is, um, do our sleep habits change during the different seasons and are they supposed to change?
0: They do change and they are supposed to change. Uh, so there is more uh, of proclivity to go to bed uh, later and get up later in the winter time, And also... We tend to sleep more in the winter time, uh, and that can range anywhere from 20 minutes to a full hour and a half. So we tend to sleep uh, a little bit later, and we tend to, you know, th- that requirement for sleep is, 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 is there more. Uh, in the summertime, then it goes in the other direction. Believe it or not, we tend to go to bed slightly earlier, and we certainly wake up earlier, and th- that would be down to light.
1: Now, so that light issue then is a big thing because I presume our circadian rhythms and our brain waves and all that are factored into knowing when it's morning and knowing when it's night, like any animal, I suppose. But sure. in terms of trying to avoid it in the home, is it better to black it out altogether or to try and train ourselves to sleep no matter what?
0: Well, light is known as the, it's the most powerful lever in aligning this body clock this circadian rhythm because all plants and animals have it now we are the strategy we have chosen is for us to be active during daylight hours and like you said the brain needs to know what time it is and we have receptors in the back of our retina for different light frequencies whether that be morning light lunchtime or afternoon that really helps align our circadian rhythm so what we ideally want is we want lots of light when we want to be active and then we want complete darkness when we want to be sleeping so we we should try and really uh, control these factors uh and and we can we can um if we are wearing an eye mask at night, in the evening, or not in the evening time, but when we go to bed, mm-hmm. and making sure to close the curtains and close the blinds because, as we all know, one little crack in the curtain is enough to wake us up a couple indeed. of It is indeed.
1: That's all it takes. And in fact, I suppose there's another type of light which maybe our ancestors never had to contend with and deal with, and that's the light of devices phones, yes. iPads, you know, notebooks yes. that we all have around us all the time. Uh, and we're told to get them out of the bedroom and switch them off. But in fact, you know, a lot of people like last thing they do at night and first thing in the morning. Yeah. What What is that thing about, you know, the blue light or the comfort shield that you can switch on your phone?
0: So, blue and light, uh, blue and white light, they will shut down melatonin production. And that's essentially what uh, they're doing. So, I mean if you think about light and even the direction it's coming from an overhead light light will mimic the midday sun so your brain thinks it's midday now first thing looking at a screen that uh, light will essentially uh, confuse your brain and shut down the sleep hormone melatonin now there are filters that people put on their devices and i would certainly advise this but also Don't forget that it's the activity that we're doing on the uh, device that could be causing uh, increased alertness in our brain that's going to stop us from sleeping also.
1: Okay, so like maybe not doing a a complicated crossword puzzle or reading a kind of a racy thriller just before we go to sleep. Is that what you mean? Yes,
0: that's it. And and the scrolling, the scrolling is absolutely, it's highly addictive. We know this, it's the most, it taps into the most powerful reward pathway in human evolution. So that's why it's so hard to get off. And when we look at screens, our blink rate drops by about 65%. And part of what blinking does is it slices up time. So Actually, that's why, you know, two hours go by and it feels like 20 minutes, 20 minutes because we lose our ability to to gauge time on on devices.
1: Gosh, they've a lot to be responsible for, don't they? (laughs) So look, there's another area then in the home that can upset uh, our sleep patterns. And And I find this myself and I know lots of listeners do. And it's the whole area of being too hot flinging off the blankets, being too cold, flinging them back on again and the whole lot wakes you up. (laughs) So is there a piece around temperature and humidity that we should be aware of?
0: Both. Um, Because, again, going back to the circadian rhythm, um, our bodies reach, your your core body temperature varies through the 24 hours for specific reasons. So you you reach your your peak at 5pm in the evening and from 5pm, your core body temperature needs to drop by about two degrees to achieve sleep okay and as the body temperature drops that signals to the brain to produce more melatonin so controlling temperature is is uh, useful and it's a signal that if you imagine an ancestral man when the fire died down Mm. it got colder they cut it up and you know they they achieve sleep much easier than than we uh, tend to do um so yeah keeping control of temperature is is really really important keeping your bedroom nice and cool mm. and having the ability that sometimes we wake up at three or four a.m the first thing you should do is throw the, the bed sheets off um, and that will that will again signal to the brain Um also i suppose you know for the female cohort out there perimenopausal and menopausal women experience uh, great difficulty with sleep and that's due to um, vasomotor symptoms they have they experience night sweats and chills and everything mm-hmm. like that so it, it, it is difficult but temperature is is important and then humidity so i don't think we have the the dry air in ireland i think we tend to be more on the other side of it indeed <laughs> for the most part so that can make it harder to fall asleep it can increase the nighttime sweating and it can irritate allergies because moles and and spores and things like that and dust mites they love humidity so um i would say maybe think about a dehumidifier uh it will it will certainly help i mean it's recommended you know humidity 40 50 uh, in the bedroom but for for most of us it's probably a little bit higher Mm. so we want to make it easier on our breathing and we don't want irritation there uh, and all of this feeds into sleep
1: Okay. Well, look, some really good tips there. And uh, I know it is an issue that is far more prevalent in the summer for all of the reasons you've outlined than it is at other times in the year. So uh, yeah. hopefully people will, will get some tips out of that. Where can people find out more about you, Tom?
0: TomColeman.ie on my website Fantastic. or Instagram.
1: All right. And we were delighted to have you on the Home Show. And thanks a million uh, for joining us uh, today. Thank you. Now, many of us will be heading off for a much-deserved summer break in the weeks and months ahead. But one thing that never ceases to try my patience in the run-up to any holiday is the packing. What to bring, where to put it, whether to roll it or fold it. It can be a bit of a nightmare. Well, Home of the Year winner, Jennifer Sheehan, joins me now to go through some of the do's and don'ts of packing and to hopefully make my preparations a little bit smoother. Jen, you're very welcome along to the Home Show podcast. Delighted to be here. Now, I am one of those packers who have... Fantastic intentions. Intellectually, I know exactly what I should be doing. I lay everything out, I start the little bits of rolling and then I realise my case is full, half the stuff is still on the bed and I just go, oh for God's sake, fling it all in. Yeah,
4: it's a nightmare and I, I share your sentiments. I'm the opposite, I'm chaos it's emotional turmoil the day before a holiday because I am stressed out about what about the concept of even just having to pack. Then I feel guilty about the stress because I'm going somewhere lovely <laughs> and it's a nightmare. I really hate it.
1: But because of that feeling, I've gotten excellent at it. So I'm here to solve all of your problems. Fantastic. And of course, you probably don't suffer like the rest of us, Um, you know, given your... Uh, strict confines of your home <laughs> it's like if it's not there it's not going <laughs> and there's not much there there's yeah. not much that fits in the first place so where do yeah. you keep your packing cases
4: that's I have thing. a little alcove that's been cut into the wall on the side of my wardrobe and it's just underneath the eaves at oh, the back of my house because you
1: do quite a bit of travel there you? isn't
4: an inch of the house that is
1: that isn't used up yeah I do I do yeah I do right. yeah. okay well then you're the expert you're the right person to have on board so talk to me about Pre, like we're talking now, a couple of weeks right. ahead of. Uh, this isn't a thing to do on the morning of. Yeah, as no, the, no, no. As the Ryanair flight is taxiing on the apron, <laughs> and you're heading into the car. So we're Stuffing, talking about planning ourselves. We've all
4: been there. We've yeah. all been there. <laughs> well, first of all, is the list capital T capital L the list? So I've started this years ago, and it was just first of all a list of. Essential items, because I can be a bit scatterbrained if I don't have a list written down of essential items that you have to bring with you no matter where you're going. So your toothbrush, passport, your toothpaste, your passport, your phone, your driver's it. license, whatever, whatever it might be your chargers, your candidates. And I always keep that list. And every time I'm going somewhere new, I copy and paste it into a new note on your iPhone notes or Evernote or whatever note app you use. And then I add to it. And so that's evolved now. And now I have categories of lists. <laughs> I love these lists. So I have a well, summer you're holidays to list.
1: Lady, because I mean, honestly, I couldn't get through my day without lists. I have a list of the lists I need to write. So I'm. I, you're, I, for once, we're actually on this. I okay, love a list. Right. So there's a yes. summer
4: holidays list, there's a winter holiday list, there's a wedding weekend list, there's a city break list. So all the lists are there. So that's the very first thing you do weeks before. Right. And then the next thing you do, Anna, when I say that this is mandatory, this is. Stop whatever you're doing now, listeners, and just go and get these packing cubes. Go what and buy packing cubes. I cannot stress this enough; they're essential.
1: My packing cube is my suitcase. No, no, you thinking about something, something the Disaster right here. happens; it's too late for you.
4: You have okay. to get packing cubes. What is a packing? They cube? are different cubes of diff- little cubes of different sizes, small, medium, large, whatever they might be, and they fit into your bag. And they're just made of that very, very, very light material, so they don't add any weight to your suitcase. Oh, like they don't zipped- take up any space. That little zipped, Square tenty pay. kind of material. Okay. They're amazing. So if you don't have them, go and get them now. What happens is they allow you to separate out your clothing, first of all, which does two things. It, it makes it really, really easy for you to find your clothes when you're getting them out of your case. So you don't have this higgledy-piggledy, you know, pulling things left, right and centre and not being able to find your swimsuit when you land in Lanzarote and, you you know, all you want to do is get to the pool. And the second thing is it does limit you a bit in terms of what you can pack because you only need you know, five pants for a 10-day holiday. You only need three shirts for a week-long
1: Oh, you're talking holiday. about doing laundry when you're on holidays then. <laughs> I do
4: okay. do laundry when I'm on holidays. I do, I do, I do. Certain holidays, okay. not okay. every holiday. Well, the smalls
1: are, doable. are are doable because yeah. you can do that in a, the bathroom sink or whatever. That's yeah. fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So are packing cubes and then you can put, what, your undies in one yes. and oh, like t-shirts in another tops, I like how day are they daytime
4: shorts pants in another one and then you just have them all separated out and it sounds simple and often the best things in life are and this will change your, your holiday life
1: packing you. okay packing where does cubes. one get those that sounds so, like an Argus type of thing uh,
4: yeah you can kind of get them anywhere the app, the travel queen Steph My Life at Steph My Life on Instagram she always recommends the Kathmandu bag she's had them for years and these things are worth
1: investing in so she says keep an eye out for sales because they often come up and just check on their website okay OK, good. Right. Uh, now, let us get the dilemma out of the way. The political question, the big issue of the day. I will we, die on this hill. Are we rolling or are we folding?
4: We're rolling. On we're, the rolling. That, we're, not we're rolling. We're not flinging. rolling. <laughs> we're not flinging. We're rolling. Roll everything. There's two ways to do it. One is to roll every item and then put it into your packing cube, which goes into your suitcase. Another method is to roll a whole outfit. So starting with the smallest oh, thing, like your shirt, for you. example, your top, your t-shirt, then you roll maybe your, your trousers around that and then you roll your blazers around that and maybe you can put your smallies in, in the middle of it all. And theoretically, that is even better for stopping everything from wrinkling because the largest item on the outside is the largest rolled and it, uh, it means that you just pull it all out and it's fresh and it's not wrinkled. Well, now that would roll seem
1: it. to be a great idea if you were going on a work trip where you yeah. had to dump and go And you needed a whole put together thing without staring at a wardrobe thinking, why didn't I bring my green shirt? Yeah.
4: (laughs) Okay, so definitely roll. 100% roll and squish as you roll and get it in as tight as you can. And even jackets? Even jackets, everything. There isn't a thing that goes into that suitcase that I don't roll.
1: I mean, (gasps) Okay, now, so in terms of then the big thing that takes up the most space that annoys people and that's shoes.
4: Yeah, shoes are so awkward. And I I don't have the... Fully right answer for this. I will say high heels are the most awkward because of their shape. They just take up so much space. So put them toe to heel and and try to kind of flatten them on top of each other. And you can
1: stuff socks into them or something, can't you?
4: Yeah, and stuff everything around them as well. So put, you know, your toiletries, something that's not necessarily going to get stained by whatever is on the toiletries. um,
1: I have a kind of a theory and I've used it on occasion where you know the way you're allowed your cabin bag and yeah. then this small bag under the seat and I tend to put all the shoes in that bag and oh, just fling clever. them in yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. all contained yes yeah. it's a little bit heavier but that's the bulky messy thing yeah. and all that's in there then is my my phone and something to read on the plane Yeah, but actually the suitcase then is only soft
4: yeah that's a great idea with Ryanair now you might not be able to bring your cabin bag and your under seat oh, bag to sure, there's new hard to keep we're allowed we and not allowed <laughs> the other thing we choose is it's worth. Wrapping them if you can. Yeah. Even a bit of paper or something so they don't stay and everything. And it's a brilliant idea to put a little freshener in there. Oh so gosh. a little pouch Good of idea. bicarbonate of soda and it doesn't smell up the rest of your bag. Good idea.
1: All right. Um okay. So we have the lists done. We've rolled Everything. we, we everything. put them in our packing cube and we are still down to the item that everybody hates that we know is going to trip <laughs> us up and that's the all the little toiletries. Yeah,
4: yeah. This is another one where it's a great idea to plan ahead. And I always kind of just have a toiletry bag ready to go of the minis. So one thing that I have done that has really helped is I've stopped buying the, the versions of the minis and I bought my own little bottles Oh go oh, the out of that you're up to the hotel You can get them
1: anywhere <laughs> <laughs> You just go into the last hotel you're in sweep them all But
4: i about my shampoo <laughs> And that's your next holiday sort. <laughs> yeah. that, Those are for the guests oh, <laughs> Those gosh, are for the guests <laughs> So buy your own little bags and then you can have them fitted and the right size and all that kind of stuff and you can bring your favourite things with you The second thing that I love especially for those weekend trips where you're only doing carry-on is bars So, shampoo bars, conditioner bars, soap bars and a powder deodorant. So, this is, instead of it being liquid, hear me out, especially campers out there will know what I'm talking about. Hear me out. They are, it's basically a bar of shampoo that looks like a bar of soap and you just lather it up and you shampoo away
1: and it's brilliant because it doesn't have to go in your liquids bag. Okay, so that's not counted as a liquid. Exactly. Do you you feel like... It's, yeah. Yeah, is it it's okay? Great. So the one
4: that I get is from a fella down in Cork his name is Suds Johnson and he does a sh- shampoo it. bar and I love it. I actually bring okay. it to the pool all the time and then the conditioner bar I get is in Lush and they're lovely.
1: Right. Okay. That's a, that's a good tip actually. Yeah. Because, saves you on your liquids. Yeah. Because the security people then aren't going to be Bothered, unduly yeah. by you having a bar there. It's not considered as jail or anything no, like that. it's not. Okay. You can throw it in okay. anyway. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a if you if you can bear it. That is <laughs> that is one of those options. Now, um, in terms of of the type of suitcase yeah. and the carry on, I favour, even though it's a little bit more constricted, the hard case. Yes, Do you know, because if stuff, you know, doesn't go to plan, gets flung around the place, and you know, it's it's not quite. You, you want everything to be where it was <laughs> when you put it in. Um, would you be of that ilk? I I am. Um,
4: I think this is such a matter of personal preference. For the carry-ons, I like the soft shell because I I just think it's easier to be able to squish them. There's nothing worse than trying to slam down an overhead locker and your hard shell case is That's holding true. everybody up. So for the carry-ons, I like a softer shell. For the, the check-ins, absolutely hard shell all the way and I've had a few of them come out cracked and everything and I can only imagine... What would have happened if they hadn't been HRIL? So, one hundred percent HRIL
1: for a check-in. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. You've given us some some fantastic tips there. Um, Anything else that people should be thinking about when they're going on? I mean, what kind of things, for instance, are you better off just buying when you get there? And I'm yeah. thinking of things like sunscreen. Yeah, a, sunscreen. a, because it's ferociously expensive here. And then it takes up your liquid. You have to yeah. have more than 100 mils if you're going anywhere half decent. So, so what other things? What about towels? Sunscreen
4: you... is good because it also goes off. It can go off. It has a shelf life. So it's fresh sunscreen it's a really good idea if you're landing in a, in a hot country um, sometimes I'll just leave my shampoo and conditioner till I get there especially if it's a longer holiday because you'll use up pretty much the whole tube yeah, by the time you're
1: there yeah. anyway and if you're in an Airbnb or something yeah. you're going to be doing a bit of shopping anyway aren't you and
4: certain things you can rent then you know, for example, if you're going to a beach holiday, I love having an umbrella, but I'm not going to bring an umbrella with me. You can usually rent them, or have a look at the local Facebook marketplace or whatever it might be, and you can probably pick up something secondhand and leave it behind. So that's really really handy. And then second, for sports equipment. So if you're someone who likes going on an active holiday, oh, yeah.
1: don't be bringing the I'm not, clubs. I'm not. I wouldn't
4: be particularly elite, but I like a little, you know, game of tennis or something. But I'm not, not not enough to bring my prestigious racket with me or anything like that it'll be something yeah. I get locally yeah. so yeah anything like that it's really
1: handy okay. to alright well listen fantastic tips there and uh, have you anything nice planned now for this summer Jennifer? I have a fabulous wedding coming up in Portugal oh, in a few lovely. weeks
4: time, which I Isn't can't wait I'm wonderful. very
1: excited about it okay yeah. well listen I, I hope that all goes well and goodness knows you'll be well packed <laughs> you'll be the best dressed and you'll have forgotten you have to fit a wedding present in there do you <laughs> I'll, I'll be doing my laundry on day two <laughs> <laughs> Pack the oh, right. Okay. alright well listen thanks a million Uh, for bringing us all that. And that is all. We have time for you this week on The Home Show podcast. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like one of our guests to answer, well then, please do get in touch with us. We love hearing from listeners. It's at newstalk.com on email or I'm on Instagram or Twitter at Sinead Ryan 100 or variations thereof. Uh, And don't forget that you can listen on Newstalk Radio at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning. But of course, all of our shows are also up on this podcast. Thanks to Eva Breen and Simon. Simon Keane producing today with Stephen McLoon on sound. And we'll be back next week with the next episode of the Home Show podcast. The Home Show
0: with Sinead Ryan, Saturday morning at eight. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.